Morning. Good to see you. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Last time we were together in Romans 4, we looked at verses 16 through 17. And uh, we're going to be looking at 18 through 25 today. Um, while you're turning there to Romans chapter 4, uh, just to reiterate Josh's announcements, uh, we have the teacher's luncheon coming up. Really want to encourage you uh, to uh, support that uh, through your food. Um, uh, they really enjoy this and look forward to it every year, so we encourage you to do that. Also, I'll just uh, make known to you, I'm going to be gone for the next two weeks, uh, be out of the pulpit for the next two weeks, so Josh will be preaching uh, the next two weeks. And uh, I will be taking a, uh, a little break. I don't know if it'll be a break or not. I got more projects to do than I know what to do with. So that's kind of what I'll be doing. I, you know, I've, I've been waiting all summer long. I was hoping for a, a string of 100 degree days to be able to do the, all the work uh, that needs to be done uh, around my place. Don't get me wrong, I won't get all the work done that needs to be done around my place done in two weeks. But uh, it'll be uh, refreshing to be out beating around on the little old farm out there. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 25. I've entitled this message, From Deadness to Life. From Deadness to Life. The last time we were together... We considered the question, why is justification through faith? Why does God justify through believing on Jesus Christ? We discussed three things. First of all, because the law brings wrath. That's all it brings. It brings nothing else. It does bring some good understanding for us as to what sin is, but in terms of doing anything in order to obtain salvation, the law brings nothing but wrath. That's all you're going to get. Absolutely all. So if any of our salvation is dependent upon works, none will be saved. None will be saved. Uh, the second thing that we considered was that human faith is the only thing about us that is in accord with grace. It's the only thing that grace has to rest in. Our faith is the only thing that is compatible with grace. There's nothing else about us that grace is in accord with except believing. That's it. The third thing is that God's promise is only guaranteed through grace and faith. There's no other guarantee. There's no other certainty except that we believe in the grace that has been extended to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Today a new question arises in the verses that we're looking at. And that is this. What is faith? If I'm saved by grace through faith, 
What is faith? That seems to be the question that Paul is answering. It's like Paul has finally won the argument and someone is asking, Okay, Paul, so what must I do to be saved? A rich guy asked Jesus that question one time. What must I do to be saved? Jesus said, oh, well, go and sell all your possessions and give the proceeds to the poor and come follow me. And that dude just kind of turned and walked away. Sad because he had a lot of wealth. And the conversation became, Jesus said, you know, uh, It's difficult for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples said this. Then who can be saved? You know what Jesus said? With man, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. That illustrates what Paul is saying here. Abraham, nothing's impossible. I want us to consider three things today. First of all, saving faith considers God's promise as greater than human limitations. I know that's like a Puritan point, right? But let me read it again. Saving faith considers God's promise as greater than human limitations. Some human limitations are going to be brought forward here in this text. But we also need to understand our human limitations are we can't obey the law. We can't obey the law to the point where it would be pleasing to God. Secondly, I want us to think of this. Saving faith is an increasing faith. Saving faith is an increasing faith. Saving faith doesn't occur and then go dormant. We don't believe and then flatline. Instead, we grow in our faith. Even when it, there's no good reason to keep believing God. Lastly, the salvation that Abraham knew is ours also. So first, let's look at saving faith considers God's promise as greater than human limitations. Uh, Verse 18 of chapter 4, In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. What a strange little opening there. In hope he believed against 
against hope. What does that mean? In hope, he believed against hope. In hope, let me say it this way. In hope of receiving the promise, Abraham hoped against hope by believing God. He was hoping against hope because there was no good reason for him to believe God. God had said, you shall be the father of many nations, so shall your offspring be. There was no good human reason for him to believe God. Abraham hoped against hope by believing God. How did he do that? The promise of God was more trustworthy than the human limitations he could see. John Calvin put it this way. The meaning is that when he had not grounds for hope, Abraham still relied in hope on the promise of God. When he had no grounds for hope. Well, Rick, why do you say he had no grounds for hope? I mean, Abraham had been called out of the Ur of the Chaldeans. God had said, I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. I mean, God called him. There was nothing about the guy that God said, I want this guy. God had chosen him before the foundation of the world, and Abraham was going to be the one that would be the father of all these nations. God called him. And he said, I want you to go to a land that I won't show you. And Abraham faithfully went to the land that God showed him. And then God made a promise. You see all this? That's going to be belong to your ancestors or to your, your, your future generations. Not your ancestors. They're going to have all this as far as your eye can see. And by the way, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Look at the stars, Abraham. Look how many there are. Can you count them? That's what your children are going to be like. Man, if you can count the sand on the shore, that's what it's going to be like. God had brought him all this way and had promised him, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He had promised him, so shall your offspring be. And he's a hundred years old. And the promised child has not come. So verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. He did not 
weaken in faith. He didn't have a good reason to believe God, but he had a good reason to not believe that this promise could happen. And that was the fact that he was 100 years old. He was 100 years He considered the odds. Okay? Let's consider the odds. I don't have the odds. But when I give you the scenario, you're going to think, Boy, the odds are those two aren't having a kid. He was 100 and she was 90. He had no good reason to believe. But he believed anyway. It says here that he considered his own body as good as dead. Now, his body obviously was not dead. But from the perspective of reproduction, it was in the as good as dead category. We know this is the line of thinking because it refers to the barrenness or deadness of Sarah's womb. She had lived 90 years and could not conceive. Could not have children. And God had brought it all the way to this place where he was 100 and she was 90. And I think that has a whole lot to do with God saying, watch this. From a human perspective, the odds were not in their favor. There was no human reason for him to think that God's promise would be fulfilled. I mean, just reasoning, just logic. By the way, everything's not about logic. Sometimes it's about God doing what God wishes to do when he wants to do it, by what means he wants to do it, and it doesn't have to agree with your logic. Just so you know. Just wanted to throw that out there. Because this don't agree with logic. He didn't weaken in faith. Or he didn't grow ill in faith. Or he did not grow incapacitated in his faith, looking at the odds that he was going to have a kid. That's what it's saying. He had every reason not to believe it would happen, but he didn't allow himself to think that way. Instead, he kept believing. He hoped. He believed God's promise that he would be the father of many nations. Countless billions recognize Abraham as the father of their faith today. Abraham believes God's promises despite 
the impossibility of them happening. You know, the sinner has no human hope of forgiveness. Nothing. There is no human hope of forgiveness. In the life of a sinner, the sinner may have never experienced human forgiveness. So to expect God to forgive them is beyond their capacity to imagine. That's why it doesn't depend on us. You know, if forgiveness of sin depended on us, forgiveness of sin would never happen. It wouldn't happen. The sinner has no hope, no human hope of forgiveness. Well, maybe if I, if I do this, maybe if I believe this, maybe if I believe over here this, maybe if I just believe it all, I'll get one of them right. Or... Let me keep a tally of the things I do right and the things I do wrong. There is no human hope whatsoever of forgiveness in any other way except by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. God's promise is he will forgive sins. The sins of all those who trust in Jesus Christ alone. And there's no other way. There is no salvation in faith plus holiness. There's no salvation in that. No one is saved by believing Jesus Christ in addition to holiness. Doesn't happen. Going to be a lot of straight-laced people. I mean, y'all know them. Man, their clothes are crisp and everything's just right. And they do all the right things and they say all the right things. And they're going to be all dressed up. Entering the gates of hell. Because they performed well. But they didn't believe Jesus Christ. And notice this is not faith in faith. This is not faith in whatever. This is faith only in Jesus Christ. Because saving faith is an increasing faith. It does grow. And it keeps believing in Jesus. 
It says later on, verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But what? He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. The word waver is a word that speaks of judging something as worthy. There was no doubt in Abraham that God's promise was greater than the challenges of bearing children. He was at this point where if God says, I'm going to have a kid, y'all remember when God said, hey, you know what? You're going to have a kid, you know. What did Abraham do? He broke down laughing, right? What did Sarah do? She wasn't out there, but she could hear it through the tent. She started laughing. The Lord said, why is your wife laughing? Sarah said, I didn't laugh. They did. You laughed. I heard you laugh. Don't tell me you didn't laugh. I'm God. I know some stuff. They're breaking down over this thing. You've got to be kidding me. But what does Abraham do? He believes God. Not the circumstances around him. He believes God. Not the external influences. Uh, not the condition of his body. Nothing causes him to waver. Instead of wavering, notice what he did. He believed more. I mean, he, he considered his 100-year-old body, and he goes, well, I think I'll trust God more. Is that what we do? No, we consider the circumstances and throw our hands up in the air. But he considered the circumstances and said, I think I'll believe God more. Now, this believing was not believing in nothingness. It was believing in something God said. So shall your offspring be. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. It wasn't an empty faith. It was faith in something. Faith that was toward and in an object. Not blind faith, but faith that Abraham had. And he had seen God do things already. He believed God. He kept believing God. And that belief rose. Now, this wasn't the power of positive thinking. Abraham didn't hear the promise of God and say, Lord, uh, hang on, let me check the Internet and see when the next Tony Robbins seminar is 
so I can go and get uh, some the right mindset by hearing this motivational speaker tell me that I need to think positively and get negativity out of my life. Abraham wasn't walking around the house going, look, there's only going to be positive vibes here today. You know? But dad, uh, you get that negativity out of my house right now. He didn't light up a palm branch in there and pour smoke all over him, you know, so that he could be blessed somehow. He wasn't just doing positive thinking exercises. He didn't order up the, uh, the, the YouTube playlist of the best of Joel Osteen, which is no more than really bad motivational speaking. How was it that he was growing stronger in his faith? Look what it says. As he gave glory to God. That's how. He grew in his faith as he gave glory to God. You may be thinking, well, how do you add glory to God? Well, you don't. How do we give glory to God? How do we see God in his glory? <laughs> we see him as he is. We don't imagine him as he is not. We see him as he is. How he has made himself known. How he has revealed himself. Hey, Abraham, I'm the God who made everything. And so Abraham was giving faith gives glory to God, by the way. Do you all see that? Faith gives glory to God as you believe God. You are believing him on the basis of, of who he is. And that he has made himself known to you. As he gave glory to God. Faith was increasing. Faith was growing. John Piper writes... What is it about faith that gives glory to God? The answer is given in verse 21. Being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. This is what faith is. It is the strong assurance that God's promises are good and that he can and will perform them. And the harder the promises seem to be to fulfill, the more our faith Honors God. Faith is the strong assurance that God's promises are good and that He can and will perform them. That's what it says right there. 
it says that he was in verse 21 fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. He believed God. He gave glory to God. And in doing so, he grew in faith. He believed even more about him. Verse 22 says, That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Why? He believed God. He didn't believe something abstract. He believed something absolute. He believed exactly what God had said. He believed that God, in promising, could do anything. Remember what Jesus said? With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible, even to save the likes of you and me. It's possible. That's why was, faith was counted to him as righteousness. His faith did not weaken. His faith did not waver. Why? God was the object. God's glory was the object. And here we see that he was fully convinced. There was nothing standing in the way of him believing the promise of God. And people all the time come up with all kinds of reasons why they have problems believing the promises of God. Some of their favorites are, where'd Cain get his wife? Really? That's the one you're going with. Do you really believe that Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish? Yes. Can we move on now? It's right there in the Word. Well, I just can't believe. Okay. That's on you, man. I'm just telling you what the truth is. I can't make you believe it. As a matter of fact, you can't believe it unless God causes you to believe it. He was fully convinced. By what? Do you think somebody came up with enough scientific data to prove to him that what God said was going to happen? Do you think somebody finally came up with a strong, valid argument that convinced the skeptic? Now I believe. Do you know what convinced Abraham? Abraham didn't discover some new, uh, new way of thinking and go, okay, now I believe God. No. 
He was fully convinced because of God. Because God fully convinced him. Because the character of God and the goodness of God and the power of God and the revelation of God. He didn't come to it on his own. He came to it because God showed him. And what did he do? He believed God. That's all he did. He believed God. Just in closing, it says here, verse 23, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. That's, that's something that Paul likes to do on occasion. You know, this happened for us. Israel went through the exodus, all that stuff, all the wilderness wandering. They went through all that for us. Show us what not to do. And here he's saying, this was for us. This is the way we believe. We believe the same way that Abraham believed. And it was credited to him as righteousness. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The salvation is for us too. Don't weaken in your faith. Don't weaken when the external circumstances are horrible. There are some people that want to claim some stuff, you know. Well, I'm going to claim this. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, God's going to heal me of cancer. Well, he might. He's able to do that. But he hadn't promised to do that. Let me tell you what he has promised to do. He has promised to save your wretched self from an eternity in hell. He hadn't promised you riches. Well, maybe he promised you riches. And when he promised you riches and you got all your riches, he said, don't you share some of that. That's getting charismatic, isn't it? He hadn't promised you riches. As a matter of fact, you may grow in your faith under a bridge in Houston. But what he has promised is if you'll look to my son, my only son, the one who was delivered up. Y'all notice that it says that? Who was delivered up for our trespasses. Who delivered him up? It was God the Father. Here, here's my son. Believe him. Believe my promise through him. Don't weaken your faith because of external circumstances. And don't waver. There is no one else to believe in. There is no other means to eternal life. There is no other way to forgiveness except Jesus Christ. That's it.
John chapter 6, Jesus preached a sermon that caused everybody to leave the church. All there was was the 12 standing there, and he said, Are y'all going to leave too? Peter said, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We just sang that, didn't we? Where are we going to go? Though none go with me, still I will follow. Oftentimes, the Christian life can be a very lonely life. Especially when the world goes all the other way. But then we have our brothers and sisters. This salvation is for us too. So does Abraham had super faith? No. But he had a super one to trust in, to believe in. Abraham wasn't saved because or by means of his faith. Abraham was saved by God who saved him through faith. That's the other way around. You say there's not much difference. There's a huge difference. Because it was God that called him. It was God that promised to him. It was God who justified him. Abraham didn't find God. Abraham didn't say, if you do this, I'll do this. Abraham didn't say, you know what, I'm good enough for you to save. Instead, God did everything that only God could do for Abraham. And Abraham believed him when he said he would do it. He was delivered up for our trespasses. All of our sin was on him. And he was raised for our justification. Raised because sin had been defeated. Wiped out. The penalty of death, the penalty of sin, gone, absorbed in him. And he was raised, just as we will be raised, who come from deadness of sin in our soul to life that comes only from him by grace and is only obtained through faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your love, your grace, your mercy, your goodness, knowing, Lord, that our salvation is not dependent upon us, but only dependent upon you. And we thank you, God, that by the uh, preaching of the gospel, you open our eyes and our hearts, Lord, to see and to believe. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the power of the gospel, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that through the gospel it's revealed to us that we have sinned against you. We have offended the only God, the one who created all things, the one who is all-powerful. 
And Father, we want to thank you that you do not leave us in our guilt and in our shame, but that you have pointed us to the cross of Jesus Christ who bore our, our sin and our shame and our guilt. Father, we want to thank you that through faith in him, we have eternal life. And Lord, we look forward to the day when we can gaze at your beauty forever. But until then, Lord, let us be faithful believers in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.